I'm speaking to Patrick Hughes, the writer, director, producer and editor of Red Hill. It's a new Australian thriller action western. Now, Patrick, this is a pretty ambitious film for a first-time feature director. You had a lot of stunts, special effects, night shoots, an A-list cast. It's paid off, but were there any points during this film where you just thought, oh my God, I've bitten off way more than I can chew? Absolutely. I think, you know, going the whole process, I literally had a moment standing out there because we shot it in this incredible high country town called Omeo, and it was minus seven. We're shooting in the dead of winter. And, uh, you know, there wasn't a shot where in the film where we weren't, you know, having shootouts on main streets or car chases or horse stunts or setting houses on fire or blowing stuff up or doing prosthetics. Uh, it, I think I just had delusions of grandeur. So, um, and it was something that, you know, at one point I did actually stop halfway through the shoot. And I'm like, who, who wrote this? Why the hell are we setting fire to a five-bedroom house for one shot? It was sort of going back to that raw sort of raw, lean style of, of storytelling. And, and, you know, I looked at all my favourite filmmakers like George George Miller and, and Rodriguez and the Coen brothers and, and Christopher Nolan. I mean, every single one of those directors went out and just mortgaged their houses and, and sort of went out to make big sort of cinematic films. I mean, I wanted to make a movie that you want to go and see on the big screen. I mean, it's a big sort of epic cinematic movie. We just went into it knowing that we'd bitten off way more than we can choose. But we had an incredible crew. We had an incredible cast. And really, it was just, we just all, it was like a race. It was a race to just get the movie in the can. The, the one thing that really stuck out for me in watching this film is how wonderfully you've adapted the Western iconography to Australia. Like, it, it doesn't feel contrived. It feels right. And I kept on thinking, this is an Australian Sergio Leone film. Now, you mentioned a bunch of directors there uh, who you're influenced by, and many of them are influenced by Leone. I was wondering if you sort of went directly to Leone as source inspiration or via other directors absolutely i mean leone was it was a, a huge inspiration and i've always been a fan of the westerns and i i guess there was films like high plains drifter uh high noon and other films like deliverance uh where you look at deliverance i mean it's very lean it's very raw it's very sparse style of storytelling and there's a simplicity to it but there's also a real sort of emotional weight and you know, I think that's why everyone's drawn to Westerns is because they all centre on the moral code. There was there was a sort of a, a mashup of influences in there, but, you know, I guess I was looking at that landscape. If you look at a town like Omeo, they used to have a population of 40,000 people. There's now 120 people live there. So back in 1890, that was one of Australia's biggest boom towns. And you look at the Westerns of from the 50s, I mean, they're all about thriving towns, right? And I, I guess I like that idea of, well, what happened to that boom town 100 years later? And that's exactly what Omeo is today. Uh, so there's sort of a tragedy to the backstory of these towns. Their glory days have long gone. And where is their place in this modern world? And hence, it becomes a modern-day Western. Considering everything you just said, I completely agree with you. Uh, Australia just seems so ripe a country to make westerns. We have a similar colonial background to America, this sense of taming the West, taming the frontier. And yet, aside from Red Hill, uh, The Proposition, and a handful of Bush Ranger films, Australia doesn't seem to really explore the potential of the Western. Mm. Why do you think that is? Uh, I'm not sure. I think we, you know, uh, we seem to be making a lot of films that are set in cities and in suburbs and stuff. And I, you know, I said to everyone, we presented this film at Berlin Film Festival. Half the audience turned around afterwards and just were lining up, and they all I kept asking the same question. They said, well, "Did you shoot this in Australia?" Because their notion of Australia is the outback. 
and I looked at this sort of this region and I was thinking why why aren't we using this I mean it's such a wonderful absolutely jaw-dropping stunning scale that we were able to bring to this film you know like you were saying I mean if you look at the history of America and the foundations of that country in Australia and colonization when the white man moved in and pushed the American Indians out it was not dissimilar to what happened to the indigenous people of Australia and pushing them off their own land so to me I felt like you know if anyone's due for a story of revenge then it's going to be the indigenous people of Australia because God knows, you know, they deserve it. Well, one of the really interesting things you've done with this film is a piece of absolute genius casting is that your outlaw Avenger character is played by Tom E. Lewis, who of course did that iconic performance in the chant of Jimmy Blacksmith. I'm just curious to know how you first approached him with that idea and how he responded. Yeah, well, we actually like to say that Jimmy chants again. That's how we're spinning this story. <laughs> uh, when I when I wrote, you know, I'd written the script and, and uh, we'd, we'd raised the finance and we were all set, ready to go. And, and then it came time to casting the movie. Uh, I called Tommy up. I mean, I always had Tommy in mind from the very beginning because of he's such an iconic actor with, with a long history in the Australian film industry. You know, I told him what I was going to make and, and, and how I was going to make it. And I wanted to set up this sort of, this he, he plays quite a confronting figure so for me to present that material to him I did then have to you know I guess I kind of warned him I gave him a little heads up I said Tommy this you know when you sit down to read this script you it's quite potent and it's quite powerful and it's going to be quite confronting but I want you to finish the script don't give up on me and, and of course he rang up the next next morning and at 6 a.m the next morning I said nah man this is this is the film my peoples have been waiting for uh, so I just had him on board immediately and he's just a wonderful actor to work with I was curious about that because for most of this film, he's an extremely violent and threatening character. So I was curious to know whether any concerns that people may take away the wrong impression of how Indigenous people are going to respond to injustice. But it sounds like, I mean, the revenge film is about unleashing that rage that doesn't happen in the real world. When, you, you know, when you're crafting these stories, it's making sure that it's justified. Because actually, at the end of the day, I didn't want to just go and make a big shoot 'em up that sort of didn't have any dramatic weight or meaning or emotional power. I mean, I wanted to tell a story that was actually about something. It does touch on real issues, the history of this country and what, what's gone down. So, um, it, you know, it is sort of confronting material because it's, his actions are so violent and, and so powerful. And because throughout this entire film, I mean, Jimmy doesn't say a word. So there's not much we can judge other than his actions. So. Now, I've read before that you said there is no subtext to a bullet. And yet I think there is... There, there are political undertones in this film. In particular, I was curious to hear your, your, your thoughts on old Bill and how he's situated in the film. There's quite a provocative scene where he's expressing his outrage over cattlemen no longer being able to herd across the high country. I'm wondering what, what issues you were trying to tap into and how you were sort of situating that small town you know, as a, as a, as a reference or um, metaphor for Australian society in a larger sense. I think, you know, old Bill's character is someone that's hanging on to the past and he's hanging on to something that's dying. And, and as I was saying before about this, you know, Omeo was once a boom town that was thriving. And I like that notion of, well, what happens to this town, these towns that when their former glory days are long gone and all the people have moved out and, and the industries that built these towns have shut down and they rope off the high country, and it just feels like there's a town that's lost looking for a sense of place. And old Bill's character is someone that's hanging on to that past, and he will fiercely hang on to everything that everyone's fought and built for, uh, and the blood, sweat, and tears that have, been, that have been shed by this town to get it to where it is today. And there's a real tragedy to it to then just watch it all fall apart. 
so here's someone that's fiercely guarding this town. And in essence, I mean, the, the film is a changing of the guard story. You have someone like old Bill, who is an old breed of police officer. You know, he's an old breed of uh, police inspector, I should say. Uh, and then you have a character like Ryan Quanton, Shane Cooper, that arrives in this small country town. And he he is, you know, a little bit more fresh-faced, but he has a strong sense of his own moral sort of fiber and a sense of what's right and wrong and his own sense of justice. So there's a clash that sort of takes place. And I guess the story becomes a changing of the guard. Hearing you say that reminds me of The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, mm. where, where John Wayne was like that, the old guard, but he had been there too long and his conservatism had got to a really nasty point. Well, that's sort of the idea. You're, you're, you're one, you were mourning the passing of these towns, but you're also being critical of people who have stayed there and perhaps dug into such an aggressive way. I mean, it's this sort of a refusal. You know, there's a classic scene in, in Red Hill where, where old Bill is at the town hall preaching to the residents that they're never going to turn in to, you know, one of those towns that resort to spas and, and massages and, you know little cafes for so a bunch of city slickers can come up there and drink pinot for wine festivals i mean he's he's someone that wants to protect the the truth of this town and the, and the honesty so um i guess that was it was just it felt like a wonderful sort of conflict and i think it's a very real conflict i guess in in old bill's sense it's justified where where he's coming from what were the townspeople like having you you, you there sort of shooting up their town and, and and having all these incredible stories race through the main streets it was absolutely brilliant we had so much fun there we're actually heading up heading up to omeo next week to present the movie in the town hall to all the residents uh and they that you know when we started the production we i set up a town hall meeting with the production manager and brought in all the all the all the residents came to this town hall meeting and and you know we just started putting it out they were saying can anyone help we're looking for these suppliers we need these things because you you know when you make a movie you try and localize especially given that omeo is an eight-hour drive from melbourne so it for us it was beneficial to try and supply find suppliers for as much stuff we needed up there in the town and they all came out to help and uh you know we were having car chases and shootouts on main streets we had rain machines and you know i remember one saturday night we we'd done a door knock and we did a letter drop and we told everyone that saturday night there's going to be a full-blown shootout on main street and we gave everyone earplugs and and we were sh- popping off rounds till th- three in the morning and because we're in the high country these these rounds were just echoing that echo eight times as they went across the mountain ranges so i felt really sorry for the town but then we didn't get one complaint i mean they every, just fabulous working up there the way they helped us you know and this there was little small detail things like uh you know during a, a montage opening montage sequence where ryan's character shane's walking into town you know there's a lovely sort of long lens shot and i, 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 I said i want to get a cattle truck to drive through there uh and carrying hauling some you know get a big mac truck give it a little bit of scale and you know i just you just walk into the pub and say who's got a mac truck and who's got some cattle we can put in it and you know a guy put his hand up and then you know we say how much do you want he says i'll do it for a slab of crownie so literally like there was a lot of stuff we did on using beer as currency up there that's fabulous uh, we're talking to, to patrick hughes the writer and the director of red hill an australian film that opens this week now patrick this is your your debut feature film and you've got this amazing cast you've got steve bisley and tom e lewis who i don't think it's hyperbole to say they are legends of australian cinema mm. and then you've got uh, ryan Quanton who is just so rapidly becoming hot property in Hollywood. Well, he already he, he's already there. What's it like working with actors of that calibre? And I mean, is there a point where it's nervous and intimidating 
but then you just all get on with the job? I say to everyone, you know, your job as a director, half of it, 50% of your job is just film craft. The other 50% is just sales. And you, you know, you really do. I mean, I, I, each time I sent the script to these actors, the, the next process then is to jump on a, on a phone with them or sit down and have a meeting with them. And you just got to gel with them. And, you know, the, the wonderful thing about Tommy and Steve and Ryan is they're all really, really great, charming, you know, really honest, giving actors. Uh, and they all come from a different sort of place and they bring a, a different sort of method to, to their process. So it was just wonderful to be standing on set. And, you know, I remember we were shooting, one day we were shooting and I had, I had Steve there on set and, and Ryan and, and uh, you know, it was, I was chatting to Steve at lunchtime about how when he was working with George Miller making Mad Max and, you know, he said that Red Hill reminded him of that because of the way we were making the film, you know, going out there and shooting this this sort of genre movie that was overly ambitious, but uh, in limited sort of resources and time. But, you know, just chatting to him about all these stories you hear, you realise he, you know, he and Tommy are screen legends of Australia. So, and Ryan is obviously, you know, he's, he's a, I just think he's an absolutely raw talent and he's going to go a long way because he has such a, such a sort of powerful physical presence, but he also has a vulnerability and, a, and an innocence that he can bring to his, you know, which is, 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 is always kind of a delicate process to pull that off. And, and I think he really does it in Red Hill. This is very much an independent film, and a lot of the films that you seem to be inspired by were independent in the sense that they were, the production was self-funded. Yeah. It was done outside of, side of the system. With so much debate at the moment about the apparent woes of the Australian film industry, I mean, do you feel that's, that's just what needs to be done? This idea of less reliant on funding bodies, more people getting out there, raising, raising the money themselves and shooting the film that they want to make? Yeah, I, I certainly think the way we made this film was completely outside the system. Uh, you know, and one of the wonderful things is we've got the 40% rebate now. And the thing I just said from the beginning was we were never going to use the rebate, which is what a lot of Australian films do, as part of the budget. We would simply just give that back to investors. So when I was raising the money for the film, I, it was happened to be when the economic meltdown kicked in. And I thought, oh my God, there's no way I'm going to raise any money. But then, of course, it worked to my benefit because a lot of investors were saying, well, I'm not going to put it in stocks and I'm certainly not putting it in real estate. And if you can guarantee me that I'm going to get 50% of my money back, then it sort of it felt like to me that was a really great way to get investors on board and and of course you know we I mortgaged my house to make this film and 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 the reason we shot it in four weeks was because of money and time restraints, but I really believe like the film has such a great scale that it uh, it's sort of I don't know like it, we're sort of keeping the budget a secret because it's uh, it 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 feels bigger than it really is and it looks bigger than it really is and you know I just pulled in every favour I could from the world of commercials. Uh, I've had a successful run and, and get to work with the best practitioners in the business and the best suppliers. So we had an incredible crew, uh, and you know, with credits that are just mind-blowing. So um, we, you know, the one thing we just didn't have was a lot of time. So it just meant we had to work really fast, and it was like going to war. We literally felt like we were going to war in minus seven, Omeo, dead of winter. Why? I think it's a good move to keep the budget secret because people can get way too hung up on that, and the film speaks for itself. Yeah. And look, it's been picked up by a major film distributor internationally. I mean, that's an extraordinary, extraordinary success. The, the last thing I wanted to ask you is, look, Red Hill is a really complete and satisfying film. You come out feeling, that's the experience I wanted to get. 
and yet it feels like it could be the beginning of something more. Is there any consideration of a sequel or a series of similarly styled films? It's, it's actually interesting. I mean, when I, when I sat down to write Red Hill, I wrote a treatment for three stories. And uh, uh, I just sort of in this flood of, of inspiration, I, and I wrote a treatment. It's called Three Colors Vengeance. It's Red Hill, Black Valley, White Mountain. Uh, and it was three stories, three modern day westerns set in three different towns in three different countries, but all centering on revenge. And, you know, the moral code, again, it just goes back to that Western era. So Black Valley is a, is a, is a modern-day Western that's set against the backdrop of the narco drug war. And I feel like that's a really sort of potent, powerful place at the moment if you talk about a Western. I mean, it's literally happening in that country right now, that lawlessness that's going on. So, yeah, that's sort of where I'm at at the moment. Patrick Hughes, congratulations on Red Hill. I cannot wait to see what you do next. And thanks for speaking to me here on Film Buffs Forecast. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.